0: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the James Dean to my Mike Dean. It's
1: Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. I'm uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be an international break weekend, which gives us a much needed weekend off, maybe. Yeah,
0: we tend to have quite a, you know, it's a bit... Just non-stop, isn't it, around this time of year? So yeah. when we have this final international break, as podcasters, we do appreciate it. So thank you to whoever organises that. But then we go right through 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 the end through to the end of the season, don't we, Justin? We've got the final eight or nine games, depending on which team you support. Then we've got the playoffs, and then that's it. Then we'll have a nice old break over the summer, and I, I'm looking forward to it. This season just seems to have gone so quickly.
1: Do you, do you yeah. not think? Yeah, well, you know, going back to the start of the season, I think we did a we did a, a live stream of the um, Bournemouth game, didn't we? And it just, yeah, it doesn't seem like it was two weeks ago. It's, it's quite mad.
0: I was thinking back to when we did our league table predictions and that doesn't feel like it was, how many months has it been? I think it's It's been pretty much seven months now, hasn't it, since we did that, but it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. This season has just been, you know, fast paced from start to finish and... I'm a, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I'm not. I'm not going to oh, deny yeah. it's that. It's been I a good season. But, oh, very good season. And hopefully, we've got some more twists and turns before the final. Um Final day of the season, but welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, it is indeed an international break. So what do Ryan and Justin do when it's an international break? We do a Q&A. So we've given our listeners a few chances on Twitter these past few days to send in their questions and we're going to answer as many of them as possible. Um, or at least the best ones at the very least um, and then we'll do the news from the past few days as well still so been plenty of news despite the international break and then finish off with the Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end could be an important one as I'll get onto a bit later on but before we jump into the show ladies and gentlemen may I tell your listener about our friends at Fansbet the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans do check them out by clicking the link in the description of this episode they've got an exclusive offer for listeners to the second tier you can get a welcome offer of bet 10 pounds get 30 pounds plus 10 free spins uk mobile registrations only terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out fans bet responsible gambling tools so i've taken 10 questions justin that have been given by the listeners from uh, the past few days um I've tried to avoid questions that we seem to answer all the time or the <laughs> questions that we'll answer, you know, in our mm-hmm. you know, normal podcast. Yeah. Um, because I, I want to, you know, talk about the questions that we haven't really touched on in quite some time. There have been some very interesting ones, but uh, we'll get on to the first one, Justin. This one's from Regan Andrews. He asks us, who has been the biggest transfer flop this season? Very interested to hear who you
1: think. Yeah, I think two names spring to mind quite quickly. James Collins is one of them. Um, I had relatively high hopes for him just to be a goal threat at Cardiff. Um, and, you know, he was a good player at Luton. He was a very handy player, working player who was very effective inside the box. But for whatever reason, it really hasn't worked out for him at Cardiff City. Um, and there are probably a lot of reasons for that. For example, change of style of play, style of play that didn't suit him in the first place under Mick McCarthy and subsequent change of style of play under, under Steve Morrison, as I was saying. Um, and yeah, it just just hasn't worked out for him at all. I know it was a free transfer, but as I say, he's he's been ousted by by kids, essentially, um, in the likes of Isaac Davis and Mark Harris. Um, he's sort of fifth choice now behind Ipiazou and Hugel as well. So there's, there's one. I think uh, Martin Piero at Borough, Really different circumstances. Big money signing hasn't quite worked out for him because of injuries, um, but he's got time on his side because he obviously, as I say, he's, he's got the he's got a, a long contract and he's still a young player to to yeah, have time and, and a chance to overcome those those injuries. Yeah, Collins is an interesting one, not someone
0: I'd really consider as the biggest flop just because he was a free transfer, but you are right, he's not played a game for Cardiff since February and he's just mm. seemingly fallen out of favour when initially it looked like it was a good signing for Cardiff but it says a lot about how he's seen by um, Steve Morrison when they signed two strikers on loan in Hugh Gill and Nick Piesu, um, in January and mm-hmm. now he's just nowhere to be seen and is career's at a bit of a crossroads now isn't it where it goes from here the person I picked out was Piero um six million quid they haven't exactly seen that returns just yet have they he's still got time on his side and he may go on to be a a good player for Middlesbrough but he's not really had an impact at all has he and that is mainly down to injury um and Wilde has even said that when he is fully fit he has got to fight his way back into the side and when you see a, a big name player signed for fi- uh, for six million quid, you'd expect him to still have, you know, an abundance of talent. And he yeah. has shown it in spits and spats, uh, particularly under Warnock. He had a, a, a spell of games, didn't he? A patch of games where mm-hmm. he was playing quite a bit and looked quite bright. But since then, uh, because of injury, we just haven't really seen it from him. Um So he is the one who stood out for me. I think he's still definitely got time on his side to turn it around. But I think he may have been a victim of the kind of lost in translation between the recruitment team at Middlesbrough and what Neil Warnock (laughs) wanted. Because he he never seemed like a Neil Warnock signing in the first place, did he? And it seems even stranger now when you look back on it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think that's why it would almost be quite harsh to call him a flop. But I think because of the fee and... What they've got out of that feed this season You'd probably stick him in that category But yeah, you're quite right It wasn't Neil Warnock signing It felt like the, you know, it went over him in that sense Obviously Warnock's one of those managers Who has a lot of say-so on transfers And, and yeah, Piero didn't really seem like It like, doesn't seem do, Warnock's It's not, the not Warnock signing, is no, it? No, he wouldn't go to Argentina to scout the guy, for example I think that's what I'm no. trying to say
0: Now, you've got Matt Crooks, who is a Warnock signing, Mm -hmm. Martin Piero, not a Warnock (laughs) signing. Daniel Muir asks, which current championship player is the most
1: likely to go on to play for England, Justin? Who do you you think? I would have said Fabio Carvalho, but I read an article today actually saying that it's very difficult for him to to get through into the England team um, because of uh, passport issues. He's got to take a passport test. A very difficult really? passport test, apparently. Yeah, it was in the Athletic. He's got to take a test. And apparently, it's, Gareth Southgate admitted himself that he'd struggled to pass it. Um, and obviously, he's been called up for Portugal under 21. So I would have said Fabio Carvalho. Um, and now I'm trying to think sort of outside the box a little bit with, with certain players. I think, it's, yeah, Lee Nichols has been shadowed quite a lot. Because, again, the latest England squad, Sam Johnson's had to pull out. and Fraser Forst has been... Put into that side, so it is a surprise to see someone like Lee Nichols, who has been arguably the best Championship goalkeeper this season. It is strange not to see him at least considered for that third choice role within the England camp.
0: Interesting. The one who stood out for me is another Huddersfield player. Strangely enough, it's uh, Levi Colwell, unknown yeah. from Chelsea, uh, yeah. only 19 years old, has been unbelievable this season. He's someone who is very highly rated at Chelsea as well, and when he goes back to Chelsea in the summer, it wouldn't surprise me if he has more of a look-in at, um, at Chelsea or goes on loan to a Premier League team, maybe Huddersfield if they go up. But he, he's been fantastic and he's got such a cool head for such a young lad. He You wouldn't think he's just a teenager when you see him in the back line because exactly. he, he's built yeah. like a big boy anyway. Um, but he has the reading of the game that you'd expect from someone who's more senior than he is but he's Mm -hmm. been fantastic for Huddersfield this season and I can definitely see him having a future I also thought about this tactically as well because England haven't produced (laughs) many great centre-backs since bloody hell you're talking the John Terry Rio Ferdinand days aren't you and I think centre-back's the one area where you'd look at and say right if anyone's going to break through or England needs someone to break through it will be centre-back and Colwell because he is so highly rated and has been fantastic for Huddersfield will probably be the most likely one for me
1: yeah and you follow the Mark Gurhey route as well, don't you, with him? Um, on loan from Chelsea, excelling at a, a championship club. Might need probably at least another six months in the championship next season. Um, I, I think anyway, just to see if he can really carry on that form and maybe for a different side or, or probably Huddersfield, potentially Huddersfield, I should say. I can't rule that, pr- that promotion out. Um and then see where he goes from there, because you know, it's been a year since, not, not even a year, eight or nine months since Mark Gurhey played in the playoffs for Swansea. And now he's 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 in the England squad. I, I, I do agree that I think Levi Colwill is, is one of those in contention, definitely.
0: I think he's ready to step up to the Premier League. Or the, the only thing that would hold me back from being so convinced about that is whether a Premier League manager will look at it and go, do I really want a 19-year-old playing centre-half for me for the whole season, which may put reservations in a few managers' minds, but I think he's capable of playing there, definitely, without a doubt. Stoke UTMP has an interesting one for us. Why do we think Nathan Jones failed so spectacularly at Stoke? What do you think, Justin?
1: I think there's a mix of things here. Um, and I've seen quite a few Stoke fans saying Nathan Jones was the right man at the wrong time. Um, And I think it all stems around that sort of, Phrase. Um, there was a big hangover from the Premier League. Still, the legacy spending from from the Premier League days, and Gary Rowett. There was a lot of players there who were on big money, who don't necessarily fit into that Nathan Jones ethos of signing hungry players with a point to prove, who still have ability, <clears throat> but have a but have a point to prove that aren't on massive wages. You look at the signings he made: Jordan Cousins, Lee Gregory, Nick Powell. They probably all fit into that category. Um, and I know majority of them didn't work out. Nick Powell did. Um, but I just think, yeah, him being there at the wrong time, was the right man at the wrong time, had a lot of players there who were on a lot of money, possibly not buying into his methods. And I think that's where it stems from because you look at the, their performances and they were underperforming in front of goal regularly. Under Nathan Jones, there wasn't too much wrong with their performances. They were creating chances. They just weren't putting them away. And ultimately, it stemmed down to that.
0: It's interesting because I was thinking to myself when I saw this question, if Nathan Jones went to another club now, would it be Stoke or Luton? Which way would it go? And I... I'm not too sure because I, I think Luton and Nathan Jones just works because I think Luton are a club set up in a specific way and Nathan Jones is just the kind of man who isn't going to be hagging the board for you know more money, for mm-hmm. example. Um, and if he did go to another big club, I'm not sure how it would go. So I'm, whether that's just a Nathan Jones thing, I'm not too sure. But I, I think you've also got to keep in, take into account that you've got... Three managers now since Stoke have been in the Championship. Three who have struggled, Nathan Jones being one of them. Gary Rowett is is a good Championship manager, struggled at Stoke. And now Michael O'Neill is struggling at Stoke. Has probably been the most successful of them, but he's still a very good manager in my eyes. So whether that's just something about Stoke itself,
1: I'm not too sure. I I get what you mean, because... Two of those three, obviously Michael O'Neill's still there, two of those three have arguably gone on to be more successful after leaving Stoke. Um obviously Gary Row operating under much stricter under under a much stricter budget at Millwall, still getting more out of that Millwall team than he did at Stoke. Probably sacked Gary Row a a bit too soon. The football was a bit bland, but they weren't in a terrible position. And after that they did just seem to get worse. Um and under do you, do you Jones, think
0: it's maybe just a, a recruitment thing?
1: Oh, percent, hundred percent. I mean, you look at the, the 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 recent budgets that have that have come out and the, um, the clearing of the debt by the the owners. Um, there's a lot of money been spent on, well, a lot of money has been wasted, essentially. Yeah, a lot of money was spent on Benik fobe When was the last time he played for Stoke? You know, it's it's. There's a lot. Think
0: about the question: Is well, when was the last? you know, signing that Stoke made that has turned out to be good. You, the play, you look at their best three players now, Nick Powell's um, was probably, Nick Powell is probably the answer to that question, mm-hmm. but the three best players for them now are Suter and Campbell, aren't they? Both, um, I can't remember where they came from off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm talking like big money signings that were made for the yeah. first team, if you see what I mean. Jacob Brown, good signing, Baker's been fantastic since coming in, mm-hmm. but, you're counting them on a one hand,
1: aren't you? Yeah, ready. yeah, yeah. That that is. You're not going in double figures, essentially, are you? No. Um, Joe isn't another one coming through. And, I mean, Jack Bonham's doing well in gold. but yeah, the, just a lot of bad spending at Stoke has, has set them back years. But if Nathan Jones went into Stoke now, I think he'd have much, he'd have a much better impact going into them now than he would than he did do two or three years ago.
0: Paul Gardner asks us: Do we think Neil Critchley is a future England manager? What do you think, Justin?
1: I. I think he is. Rather than put him in in that sort of um, that ballpark of saying he's going to be England manager one day, I'll say his ceiling is probably being a very good international manager um, because that is the pinnacle of, of football, isn't it? Um, every manager dreams of, of managing their country at some point, I imagine. And Neil Critchley is one of those who. Is a very talented coach. You saw what he's, he did with the, the under-23s at Liverpool, what he's doing with Blackpool now on a very small budget. Um, uh, it, it seemed to remember a conversation we had with a Blackpool supporter quite a while ago, and they pointed out his qualifications. He's one of the highest qualified coaches in the country, um, and he's, he's very highly thought of at uh, within the England ranks as well. So I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, obviously, he's very early on in his career. Probably another twenty, thirty years left. So I'm pretty sure that if he carries on his the same ascendancy, then yeah, I think he, I think he, his, his ceiling is probably England manager.
0: The thing is, with England manager, it depends on circumstance, doesn't it? You've got to be the mm. right man in the right place at the right time. I think he is definitely capable of doing it. It just depends on, you know what the situation is and how how high his stock is mm. when the international job comes around because it's it's not like it's something that comes around every year is it it's no. something that comes around you know once every 5 years and it all depends on where Critchley is at the time um but I think he's definitely a Premier League manager in the making I think people will look at the job he's doing at Blackpool and say yeah we want a bit of this guy because he He's clearly a tactical mastermind, um, knows how to work with a budget, as you were just alluding to there, knows how to get the best out of players. And he's a fantastic coach. He's without a doubt a fantastic fantastic coach. And it's not just the qualifications that prove it. It's, you know, proof is in the pudding with him, isn't it? So, yeah, Yeah. I, I could definitely see him being a future England manager. It just depends on where he is at the time. Um, at the moment, I don't think Mr. Southgate wants to let go of it anytime soon. Or Sir Southgate, as I should say. Um, Chris Haynes wants to know who we think is the best loan player in the Championship. Is that this season?
1: Or yes. Or ever. Oh, Harry Wilson would count, wouldn't he? Surely. loan spell yeah, its yeah. going to be made into a permanent. So you'd, you'd argue uh, Harry Wilson without a shadow of a doubt, because he's almost on double-figure goals and assists, which is sort of the... the the pinnacle of uh, championship uh, I don't know, creativity and and, uh, and scoring. So definitely Harry Wilson. I don't think there's any other lone player who's had the same impact that he's had. I don't know, and I know it's slightly different because he's going to be a permanent Fulham player at the end of the season, most likely. Mm. Um, so yeah, without a doubt, uh, it's Harry Wilson.
0: Yeah, when you put it like that, it's difficult to argue. I think if we're looking at players outside of ones who are, technically permanent anyway aren't they Mm -hmm. Harry Wilson he's they're obliged to sign him in the summer anyway um I'd look at someone like Morgan Gibbs White who for me when he's actually 100% fully fit is just such a talent and it makes you wonder how on earth he hasn't been getting in the Wolves side because he is a wonderful player superb to watch and is so so important for Sheffield United and um just how they go forward. And he, he can do it all. He can score. He can set up goals. He can dribble. He's just a wonderful player. And someone I won't say is, depending on what happens next season with his future, whether he plays for Wolves, whether it's for Sheffield United, whether it's for the Premier League side, um, I, I don't think he'll be too far off the England squad, quite frankly. Because he's only 22 still. He, in fact, he might not even be that. He may only be 21. Maybe no, he is 22. That's still ridiculously young. It feels like he's been around for ages. Yeah. So it will not surprise me if he's um, in the England squad in the next five years or so because he's just so wonderfully talented. And I think we've all known for quite some time how talented a player he is as well. Byram Oates Diaz has a question. He wants to know whether we think Tony Mowbray is the right man for Blackburn. I assume he's saying that with the caveat if Blackburn miss out on promotion this season. Because otherwise, if he gets Blackburn promoted, then I think he is the right man.
1: Yeah, I, I like Tony Mowbray a lot. And um, the way he shifted the style of play this season, obviously going from a possession-based team last year to a more sort of counter-attacking, direct pressing team this year, I think shows what he's able, able to do um, as a manager. Not, there's, not, there's not many managers who can flick between styles of play, for example. Um, and, and as I say, I, I do really rate Tony Mowbray. If Blackburn do fail to get into the playoffs, Considering expectations weren't to get into the playoffs at the start of the season, then you say seventh, eighth place is a good season. But considering they've been in the playoffs for two thirds of the season and not getting in them, um, potentially not getting in them, I think it would be a little bit of a failure. After he was backed in January as well, but I do think Tony Mowbray is the right man for Blackburn, and it's his way. The way he deals with uh, individuals, he turned Adam Armstrong into a 20-goal season striker. He's done that with Ben Barrett and Diaz. In I know it's taken a little bit of time to get him going, but it, the, the changeover in, in the type of player um, that Ben Barrington-Diaz has become is has been incredible. And that's not just down to Chile, it's down to Tony Mowbray as well. Um, and yeah, just the way individuals have developed at Blackburn over the past couple of years under him, um, I don't think can be overlooked.
0: I think one thing that always goes amiss with fans um, is that Blackburn have come quite a way in the space of four years. This is only... Is it their fourth season back in the Championship after they got relegated to League One? And in that time, they finished 15th in the first season. Season afterwards, they finished 11th. Um, I can't remember where they finished last season. 17, 18th, yeah. Yeah, there's progression that's happening. And I think as a football fan, it may not be exactly what you want. Because I think everyone just wants to get to the Premier League as soon as possible when you're in the Championship, Mm -hmm. don't you? But if you could see that constant progression, then I'd take that... As a fan, it may not be you know the most headline-grabbing way of going about mm. it, but I, I think that's a perfectly good way of going about it. The thing is with Blackburn, this is going to be a very interesting summer for them because Veriton Diaz is out of contract. He has got an extra year extension option, yeah. but it's not been triggered yet, which makes me wonder whether it is going to be triggered or not. Lenahan's out of contract and has been linked with many moves away. So, you need someone there to oversee that transition from losing two of your best players, possibly, in the summer. And I think Tony Mowbray, someone who knows the club inside and out, mm-hmm. I think he's the right man for the job. Do you agree?
1: Oh, Absolutely. I, everything you've said there and everything that I've said, I think, just goes to show that he's the man. And you look at the money they got for Adam Armstrong, Adam Armstrong wouldn't have developed into the player he did without Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus tutelage. Um, and it's the same with the likes of Ryan Nyambe, Lewis Travis, um, Thomas Kaminsky. They've all developed under the, the management of of, of of Mowbray and, and Mark Venus, and Ben Broddez is the same. Sam Gallagher, I know he's been a bit wasteful in recent weeks, but he's also a player who has locked, looked a lot more of a threat this season than he has done in any other season. And again, that's down to putting... Uh, putting uh, plays into the right positions and putting balls into the box and, and making him more of a threat. And, and that's down to Tony Mowbray. Next question
0: is from Christopher Carroll, who asks, who we think will be promoted from League One and who will be relegated from the Premier League? Look at us, in venturing outside of the Championship. Um, yeah, I know, it makes me feel weird. Well, in League One, it looks rather likely that we'll be definitely, definitely getting Rotherham and Wigan, although Rotherham have been having a bit of a wobble yeah. recently. As for the playoffs bit open at the moment isn't it to say the very least Plymouth have been Mm. in astonishing form and will be a side I'd like to see back in the Championship personally although it wouldn't surprise me if Sheffield Wednesday or Sunderland were back because they are the big boys down there aren't they Who, who do you think Justin
1: from League One well, I know a lot of Rotherham fans have been concerned about Milton. Uh, I don't know i was going to full name them MK Dons. Um, <laughs> a lot of yeah, a lot of Rotherham fans have been worried about MK Dons coming up because obviously we're going uh, to just a point behind Rotherham at the moment when they've got two games in hand, so they're probably. Wigan will probably go, end up going up as champions because they've been incredible this season um, and I do fancy MK Dons maybe to pit Rotherham as you say Rotherham going through a bit of a wobble and MK Dons again another side that look unstoppable Liam Manning very good coach he's carried on Russell Martin's philosophy there but I think players as you say are wide open Oxford Oxford are getting a lot of plaudits this season as the entertainers in the league I think they're the top scorers in in League 1 at the moment um, and they obviously got to the playoff final again, uh, they were beaten by Wickham um, a couple of years ago so maybe it's their time now just to finally go up and Carl Robinson's got previous so maybe I'd edge towards Oxford but as you say Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday the big boys in Wickham are just hovering outside so it's hard to rule them out but I'd edge towards Oxford I, go- I like a good attacking team so why not
0: Oxford are one of those sides who have been seemingly knocking on the door of the Championship <laughs> for quite some time and just never yeah. seem to actually get let in uh, from the Premier League it- Looks like we're going to be reunited with the boys from Canary Cast and Voices of the Vic, doesn't it? Because Norwich Mm -hmm. and Watford look likely to be going straight back down. From a personal perspective of getting as many listeners to the podcast as possible, it'd be lovely to have Everton or Leeds with us next season, just because their fan bases are huge. I'd say Everton are the more likely out of the two, because I've never been sold on Lampard as a manager. But I think it'll most likely be Burnley. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I think... I mean, in the most mean possible sounding way, it would, would be good to see Frank Lampard be exposed as a very average football manager because <laughs> that is what he is, unfortunately. Um, but it might well be Burnley, although Sean Dyche's got a good—he's got good habits of just getting his teams going, doesn't he? When it when it really matters, um, although they have lost the last three games on the trot, they don't have a Chris Wood. Well, they have got Whitbread Horse, who I really really like, and I'd love to see in the Championship next year. I can't really that rule would, Burnley out either. That would
0: be interesting if he was in the Championship next season. It'd be brilliant. Riley. But yeah Um It's strange because every time, I, I don't pay as much attention to the Premier League, obviously, as I do the Championship, but it seems like Burnley don't lose every week and Everton seem to lose every week, but no one seems to be in any different position than Burnley just being in the bottom three all the time Uh, Justin let's have a quick break after that we'll have three more questions to go through then we'll talk about some of the news from the championship in the past few days Welcome back to the second tier podcast. So, Justin, carrying on with the Q&A, Rob asks us, has Justin heard of NordVPN? I don't think I've heard of NordVPN. What is it? Well, just let me tell you, NordVPN is the gift that keeps on giving. With NordVPN, you can change your virtual location on your laptop or whichever device you want to use, change your virtual location, and then watch your side wherever you are in the world. It's not just football. You can watch Netflix or Amazon Prime or other streaming services uh, and their content from different countries, meaning you don't have to wait for it to be released in the UK. Also, when you're out and about, NordVPN protects you from naughty hackers when you're using unsecure public Wi-Fi so grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by heading to nordvpn.com and use the code second to get a huge discount off your nordvpn plan plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift it's completely risk-free with the nord's 30-day money-back guarantee it costs less than a pint so you may as well give it a go might ya? so just in carrying on with the next bit of the q a chris wyatt asks us is lee bowyer the man to turn it around at birmingham city
1: I don't think I don't think the question should be is Lee Bowyer the man to turn it around at Birmingham City. I think can any man turn it around at Birmingham City under the current ownership? I think that's the question you've got to ask because I think Aita Karanka was a good appointment on paper, and that should have worked, um, but it, it didn't. And there was a lot of issues with with players coming in and, um, and and style of play that ultimately, as I say, didn't didn't suit the players that were there. A lot of a lot of highly paid individuals that. Probably shouldn't have been highly paid, um, and that, and that again, that's legacy spending from from the Harry Redknapp month, well not years, Harry Redknapp month. Um, so to answer that question, I think yeah, is, is any man the the man to turn it around under the current Birmingham City ownership? I do rate Lee Bowyer as a manager. I do think with the right tools, he can he can turn a team into a very good mid-table top half team. Yet to see him really excel in the championship, but as I say, with the right tools, I think he, I think he can. Because he had that at Charlton, had Conor Gallagher, didn't he, and McCauley um, Bond firing, and did really well until obviously Gallagher was recalled by, by Chelsea and sent to Swansea, and then it sort of dropped from there for for him at Charlton.
0: I think he's a good manager at Championship level, isn't he? And I think with Birmingham, you've always got to remember their recruitment has been another. <laughs> it's another Championship side whose recruitment has been woeful, yeah. and. Uh, you could make an argument that Birmingham's has been the worst behind Derby's. Um, so I, I think we, you have got to keep that in mind with Bayou. I'm sure results haven't gone particularly well this season. And it's another season where Birmingham have been, you know, lower than 18th, 19th in the table. Mm. Um, and in a normal season, they probably will be an, again in a relegation battle. But, it's going to take a long time for anyone to turn around the ship at Birmingham just because the recruitment has been so bad. And hopefully, because he knows the club inside and out, he is the man who will eventually get them going in the right direction. Now, Justin, it's time for the obligatory parachute payments question. We always have to answer at least one question on it when we do a and a Peter Bryant asks us, Do you have any alternatives to parachute payments?
1: Pocket money. Just give clubs pocket money it every single club gets pocket money for doing nice things around the house yeah any is that your serious answer or <laughs> no no it's, it's not my serious answer it's my it's my very serious answer no of course not um my my actual answer would be um increasing the the share of money from the premier league so not necessarily not necessarily giving teams parachute payments but increasing their shares into the championship and limiting what teams can spend of their turnover on transfers and wages so for example you had reading the other year their their wages were 206 percent of their actual actual turnover they were spending almost double the amount on wages than they were their, their annual turnover which is just ridiculous so limiting what clubs can do in that sense no they've actually scrapped ffp uefa have scrapped ffp and i've gone with this approach which is a good approach it suits the big teams more because they get more income but I think for a championship club, this this could this could help. And again, having an even pot, like say thirty million pounds shared between clubs, that's just a ballpark figure. Not a not I know it's not a lot of money, but £40, 50 million pounds shared between all twenty four clubs equally, I think as well, um, is a more fairer approach for every club rather than giving three failed clubs, three clubs that have failed, sorry, big shares of money.
0: Yeah, but whenever people talk about parachute payments, the argument always is there needs to be a bridge between the ridiculous wage bills in the Premier League to the wage bills in the Championship. And I completely understand that. But the only way I can see a fair way of getting around that is by giving the Premier League giving a fairer share to EFL clubs, um, the huge treasure chest of money that they have. So that would be my answer. And... Again, I also agree with you with restricting the spending of certain clubs as well. I mean, you only have to look at what Luton are doing this season to know that you don't have to be forking out millions and millions of pounds on wages um, to be a success in this division and um, it certainly helps if you spend the money right but you don't have to it's all about how you spend the money which is a lot more important and Luton are doing a fantastic job of doing that and I hope more championship clubs will go down a similar route of doing that but completely understands that if, if something doesn't get sorted about parachute payments at some point we are just going to probably end up in a situation where the two teams who well the three, two of the three teams who come down each season are just going to get automatically promoted I mean what is it now if if Bournemouth and Fulham both go up automatically this season then that'll be I think off the top of my head six parachute payment sides who have been promoted in the past three seasons mm-hmm. which isn't great it doesn't make for great reading does it for the unpredictability of the championship so something has to be done but the lack of uh, talk about anything actually happening is deafening and finally justin oj clate wants
1: to know which past or present championship manager would you pick to back you in a scrap i spent a long time thinking about this i really did probably more so than the other questions and that goes to show where my, uh <laughs> where my priorities lie um I've gone with Mick McCarthy uh and there are a number of reasons why um I think firstly Mick McCarthy will try and diffuse the situation he's he's a in his older age he's become a very reasonable man um and he looks like a he looks like a bit of a wise wizard now doesn't he with his with his gray hair whether he's clean shaven or with a beard or not um but if if things do start to escalate, I think he's the man to back. He's a big guy. He's a big guy, and he's not afraid of telling you what's for either. You remember the Ipswich Town fans with that last minute equaliser for um, that? Ipswich Town scored, and obviously he stuck it to the Ipswich fans, even though they're own his own supporters. Um, so yeah, Mick McCarfield, Dave for me, and he, you know, he's a big birdie centre off, and he's and he's had he's had face to face scraps with Roy Keane as well. He's got he's got a previous. He's the man for me. Yeah.
0: Who hasn't had a scrap with Roy Keane? I would not want to be on the receiving end of Mick McCarthy when he was giving it to the Ipswich fans in the uh, East Anglian Derby. That was a frightening sight. The man who stands out for me is Big Nigel Pearson, just because he's Nigel Pearson. You, you know he's got this you know, calm demeanour about him, but you know when he sees red, he sees red. And no-one is safe when that happens. Uh, Justin, now it's time for this. <laughs> Yes, it's time for the news, and we'll start off with QPR. They've confirmed that Chris Willock is going to miss the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. Even if they get to the playoffs, he'd be unavailable for those games. And just in as far as
1: bad news goes for QPR, that's as bad as it gets, really, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, it's that's, that's, that's devastating. It's uh, a doomsday scenario for them because he has probably been their best attacker this season no not probably he's been their best attacker this season probably their best player this season if you lose your best player at this point in the season um, with the view to the playoffs phew, yeah it's a massive blow and he makes things tick for your QPR in the final third and without him I really do struggle to, to see them fully functioning although Elias Chair could step up in his absence because he's been out of form out since he came back from the African Cup of Nations
0: it's a lot of pressure on him though isn't it yeah. the thing is with QPR the number of times this season where they just haven't been playing very well, but have relied on a bit of magic from Chris Willock or Elias Chair is astonishing. And when you lose one of those options that you've got, mm. and probably the better of the two options as well, that's a real dagger blow, isn't it? And w- yeah. would you go as far to say that's their playoff hopes over because of this?
1: I wouldn't because I'd like to think that Mark Walberson could adjust things to to suit the players that he's got Um, and he has got good players that is disposable Uh, Charlie Austin um, Lyndon Dykes up front could go very direct and I think that might work in their favour as well but that would be a massive change in philosophy wouldn't it Um, which I can't see happening too soon so look he's he's got a couple of weeks over this international break to get it sorted um, and and find a way to find a way to win without him and I think they can I don't think they're that I don't think they can be that reliant on Willock
0: I, I wouldn't say they over, but it's looking very hard to see them getting in the playoffs now. I mean, they've been in terrible form anyway, whether willock has been injured or not. But losing your star man who could potentially turn it around by himself and drag QPR over the line, it's really hard to see it <laughs> happening now, which is, it, it is unfortunate. But I think at the same time, we should still appreciate how marvellous a season he's had because he, he has been, phenomenal for them hasn't he around January February my oh my he was probably the best player in the division alongside the likes of Mitrovic Mm -hmm. but he was phenomenal wasn't he just winning points individually for QPR and when it comes to our end of season awards Justin he, he definitely won't be far off the team of the season. Whether he's actually in it or not, you'll just have to wait and see, lester <laughs> uh, QPR have also confirmed David Marshall's also set to miss the remainder of the campaign, also with a hamstring problem if things just couldn't get any worse for them. West Brom goalkeeper Sam Johnston has been called up to the England squad It's after a host of injuries to players included in the initial squad. Ironically, he himself has since got injured and has had to pull out the squad now. Um, But it did make me laugh, Justin, when the announcement was made, how many West Brom fans were saying how in reply to the tweet about this news. Because he hasn't been in spectacular form this season, really, has he?
1: No, and I think this is why the Huddersfield Town fans have been questioning why Lee Nichols hasn't been called up. I think that probably comes down to Sam Johnson having international experience and knowing the setup quite well. That's probably what edged it. Um, but Fraser Forcer is now the third choice, which makes it more the stranger given that he's in and out the first team at Southampton as well. So, yeah, it, it was a strange one, but also given his experience, not really surprised to see him get called up as third choice. Now there were a lot of rumours on Twitter this week that Chris Kirchner had completed
0: his takeover of Preston although there have since been reports by PNE Live that it's not been taken it's not been completed yet. The American businessman was interested in buying Derby last year but has been strongly linked with taking over Preston. Instead, he was doing a Q&A earlier where he was avoiding Preston questions, which gives you kind of an indicator of um, how close that deal is potentially to happening. Um, I also asked him whether he'd rather fight a chicken every time he gets into his car or have to fight an orangutan once a day. But unfortunately, he did not. Not once a day, once a year. But unfortunately, he didn't get back to me on that, which I think is very poor from him. Derby's administrators say they believe they'll be in a position to name a preferred bidder by the end of the week. must say they're finalising talks with interested parties. See, they say this, Justin, but we've had this on more than one occasion, haven't we, where we've had a deadline like this and it's just been passed without any thought given. And when that keeps happening, promises like this don't mean as much to fans, do they? Um, moving on, Stoke City's owners, the Bet365 Group, have reduced the debts of the club's holding company by £160 million. They've converted £40 million of shareholder loans into equity and have also waived £120 million of shareholder loans. Just for us common folk, Justin, who don't understand financial talk or simply just don't care, well, what does this all mean from a Stoke perspective?
1: Um, well, Kieran Maguire I, I, he put it really well that it's basically you're lending your kids money on a deposit on a house that you're never going to see back. Essentially, that you're not you, they're not going to pay it back. So essentially, the 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 owners have accepted this debt. They've paid it off themselves. It's a it's a debt that Stoke will never pay back um, and that's all there is on the matter really. Yeah, uh, it, It's it's a sign of a good owner that they're willing to do that. It's a large sum of money but again, for that spending to get to that point is, is a worrying you've got to question the long-term plans of the owners and what they are.
0: Well, just a further question on this because I think Stoke were one of those teams, weren't we, who we were looking at and thinking, well, we've just had Derby with a points deduction. Could Stoke... Be a team who gets into financial difficulty further down the line. Does this kind of remove any danger of that happening, or would you just say it's less likely now?
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think I read that it's it's not going to impact profit and sustainability, so they won't get punished for that. It's a slightly different matter. Um, and yeah, Stoker safe from from any further punishment or any further, any punishment at all from from the EFO on on profit and sustainability. And
0: finally, in transfer news, Udinese have now confirmed they're signing Derby youngster Festi Eberselli will join them in the summer when his contract expires. Right, now it's time for this. All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Indeed it is, Mr. Bartender. This is the game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, it's Justin's turn to give me six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. I've just got to guess who it is. The score is 12-10 to myself. Now, Justin, by my calculations, if I get this right, it means you can't win this season. The -hmm. best you can do is draw. So are you confident that these clues will be able to keep you in the game?
1: I, I am confident. I've made him. I, I think there are some good clues in there, um, but they are still very ambiguous.
0: I am so prepared for this to be the most obscure player we've ever had on this quiz. Go on, then hit me with the first clue, please.
1: I made two hundred eighty-five appearances, scoring sixty goals. Oh, okay. How obscure That's quite is that? A few. That is yeah. quite a few. Uh, Lloyd Dyer? No, no, it isn't. I think he's. I think he was one of the first ones we had on this quiz. Anyway. Yeah. I've played for 11 clubs, excluding loans. Whoa. Okay.
0: That's a lot of clubs. Is that championship clubs or just clubs in general? It's clubs in general. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I just simply do not know, Justin. I will go for someone like Michael Doyle. He's it is not 60 Michael goals. <laughs> Yeah, That would <that'd> be incredible. <laughs>
1: Next clue. Yes, please. Glenn Hoddle gave me my professional debut in 2005.
0: Who was Glenn Hoddle managing in 2005?
1: Is it Spurs? Um, Wayne Routledge? It is not Wayne Routledge. I think he came through at Palace. Yeah,
0: you're right. You came through at palace, you ficko. I was just trying to to think of Spurs players. You're not going to tell me whether Glenn Hoddle was managing Spurs or not, are you? Glenn Hoddle
1: did manage Spurs at one point, yeah. Was it in 2005? Well, I don't know. Next clue then, please. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to give you anything, am I? As a player, I've won League One twice. I was Championship runner-up in 2019 and was voted in League One PFA Team of the Year in 2013 and the Championship PFA Team of the Year in 2018.
0: You may have to read them back to me in a second. <laughs> the, the one that stood out to me there was Championship runner-up in 2019, which would have been Sheffield United. Is it Sheffield United? Um, and then what were the PFA teams, sorry?
1: Uh, it was voted in the PFA League 1 PFA Team of the Year in 2013. Okay. 2018 Championship PFA Team of the Year.
0: I'm I'm not 100% sure if it is Sheffield United. I don't want to commit to it. And you're not going to tell me either, are you? No. I'm a close book today. You really, really are. Um, I will say Mark
1: Duffy. It is not Mark Duffy. I enjoyed my best scoring season in 2018 for one of the Sheffield clubs. This dead silence. Ryan is thinking. The pressure is mounting on Ryan. If you as uh, listeners, I should say, he's making some facials here, guys. He is stressing. He knows I is could be it? back in this. Oh. Is it? Ooh. David McGoldrick. It is not David McGoldrick. <laughs> Why have I had it then?
0: <laughs> <sighs> How many clues have I got left? You've got one clue left. Okay, I've got someone in mind. I, I need to hear this last clue, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay while playing for Swindon Town I fell out with Paolo Di Canio after scrapping with the fitness coach this happened within one month of signing and I was then moved on to Chesterfield mm. well it's not West Fodringham
0: um, he okay fell out with, he fell out with Paolo as well. everyone fell out with Paolo Di Canio um, <laughs> I've got someone in mind I'm not sure if it's right my heart is pounding is it Leon Clark? Oh no!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god, that that was that was stress. Oh, my, my palms are sweating, my knees oh, weak, and my arms are heavy. There's not vomit on my sweater though. Um, that's. That, I'm assuming that's right, isn't it? Yeah, the, we haven't actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it my, is right.
1: Okay. My audible frustration yeah that was that's that's correct I wasn't
0: sure if that I wasn't 100% sure if that was agony or whether that was celebration um so I'm glad that I got that right right at the death Justin Peach how do you feel now that you officially can't win for the season
1: um I'm disappointed um I thought I had you there I genuinely thought I had you there Mm, um yeah and you know you know what we go again next week we we play for the draw we put it in the we try and yeah, we push everything. We 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 fight till the end and all that. Yeah, not not ideal. I'll, I'll have to
0: work it out whether I can officially win next week or not. But I assume I would do if you didn't get it right i'll I'll have to work it out though but there we go ladies and gentlemen the craig bryson pub quiz it's in my hands it's nearly here ladies and gentlemen i've nearly won for the season and there we go the second tier podcast wrapped up for the midweek we'll be back again on sunday Still not sure what we're doing yet, but we'll have an episode um, there for you where we'll probably talk about the Championship as a whole and where we see it panning out for the remainder of the season. So you have that to look forward to on Sunday. Otherwise, have a good weekend. We look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I have been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.